If you guys have been listening to Ask Women for a while, you probably know my voice associated with some cynicism, maybe some jokes you're not a fan of, or maybe you are a fan of because you've got great taste. Well, either way, I've come a long way from that cynical gal, and I'm doing amazing things helping guys get their banter and conversation skills on track, as well as making those dating profiles look not so terrible. Or dare I say good? No, dare I say great. I get them looking great. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm seeing actual results coming in from guys that I've worked with. Like, you know, for example, engagements, things like that. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my skills and those dudes do too. So if you want to be smooth and witty in conversation or smooth and witty in your profile, you know who to come and see. And that's me, Kristen. And I'm at kristenandchill.com. All of my stuff is up there if you guys want to hit me up and uh, get my help. So again, kristenandchill.com. Charm more than just her socks off. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we are going to dive deep into your brain and teach you how to think better about yourself because your thoughts dictate your results. I know we've talked about this many times on our show, but this time is a little bit different. We have an amazing expert on the show telling you how to shift the way you think about yourself so that you can become or you will finally be the best version of yourself. So keep listening. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carney from kristenandchill.com. And of course, Marnie Kinris from winggirlmethod.com. Hope you guys are doing okay, given everything that's going on. But if you're not, we have an awesome guest to help you feel good immediately. We have Kevin Ayo from The Male Coach. Ayo! The Alpha Male Coach. Ayo! I absolutely love it. Like you had to be a coach with a name like that. Like a motivational coach. Because if you weren't, it would just be a huge disappointment for so many people. Like that is the best name ever. Give me an Ayo. Give me an Ayo. People say, hey, yo, and I'm turning around all the time, right? So it's a little confusing, but yeah, it's great. It really went over well in the military as well. You know, hey, yo. (laughs) I'm sure. Oh my goodness. Well, you got the AO, you got an eye patch, you got got like motivation for all the guys who are listening to this today. So I love that you're here with us. I love what you're actually doing right now. So you told me a little bit before we started recording that you are currently in Arizona. Did I just mess that up? Or where are you? Again, you're near the Grand Canyon. I know that. That is correct. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm just south. The land that I bought is just south of the Grand Canyon. So it's about 30 miles from the South Rim, Northern Arizona. And um, yeah, I'm up here building. So the Alpha Male Coach is kind of my brand, but the Elevated Alpha Society Spartan Academy is my school, is the school that I run for the guys that are learning cognitive mastery and emotional ownership. They're going through that process. And so up here in Northern Arizona, I'm building a brick and mortar facility to bring these guys out. You know, they'll have uh, individual places to stay, dome tents and aircrete buildings as well. But, you know, building a school, building a gym area and things like that. Even an obstacle course. I've got 
40 acres up here. So plenty of space. Amazing. Because what is it that you do for alpha coaching? Like, I want to hear more about number one, what is an alpha? Because that's something you specialize in. And then you had labeled it before, but I'm not going to repeat it properly. Cognitive, emotional, what was it that you said? Yeah. So cognitive mastery and emotional ownership. Cognitive mastery. Okay. So I want to dive into both of those things. But before we do dive into those, I would love if you could tell the people who are listening a little bit about who you are and how you came to become this alpha master. <laughs> yeah, that's, that'd be great. So who I am, that's a very... I don't know if we've got time for all that. <laughs> that's a long answer. But essentially, I started out as a fitness coach. I've been coaching for most of my life. Out of high school, I went to the military. And then out of the military, I just jumped into coaching, leadership and guidance for people. And, and, and I began in fitness and started out developing that skill and then opening my own business. And this rant opened several businesses overseas, opened several gyms overseas and kind of running that, turning those gyms over to people who I trusted to continue that process. And about, wow, it's actually been about four years now, I decided to make the shift from fitness coaching to cognitive coaching, which is kind of like peeling back another layer of the onion. Because really the reason why I got into fitness was helping people feel better, perform better, look better. And what I found was through fitness, people certainly started to look different and started to perform different. But in terms of better, and better is a thought, right? It's a subjective thought that we have. But what really got to me was I would have people that would make huge external changes in their life, in terms of their diet and their exercise, but in their belief system, in their brain, they still had the same thought patterns of insecurity and self-doubt. And so for me, that shift was, like I say, peeling back another layer of the onion, kind of diving deeper into how can I help more people with this suffering, with this original layer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I always say to people who I've worked with who they'll say, you know, I've done so much work on myself. I've done some have self-help courses, but mainly I've lost like 300 pounds or 200 pounds or 100 pounds, blah, blah, but I'm still having these struggles. And I always say it's because you still have fat brain. In your mind, you are still the heavy guy with all of the same things that you were feeling before, but now you just have a different exterior. So I totally understand exactly what you're saying. So you are helping people adjust or train their brain to function in a new way, just like you were doing for their bodies, which I think is absolutely amazing. I still have eye patch brain. I just want to jump in and tell Kevin this because when I was three years old... Oh, yeah! <laughs> so Kevin is wearing an eye patch right now. Is that okay to bring up right now on the show? Oh, absolutely. I've, okay. I've told my audience on my podcast, they all know I've got Bell's palsy temporarily. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. So when I was three years old, my eye started to cross and I had to have an operation because I have a, this thing called accommodative esotropia, but I had to wear an eye patch when I was three years old. And I think that that's really shaped me as a human being in a hurtful way, but also in a way where I've gained character. But just like Marnie said, with fat brain, I still have eye patch brain. Like in my head, I'm the little girl wearing an eye patch, but I've done a lot of work to peel off the eye patch. But now you've thrown me right back into the pit. Now I'm looking at it. <laughs> oh no. We got the trigger here, right? It's yes. the trigger that now your brain's got the thoughts going, PTSD, right? <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, I can't say anything. Oh my God. And you're wearing your glasses today for the first time know, ever on so our podcast. Weird. So it's just like a world of insecurities for you. I will just say for one second to our audience, Kristen is wearing glasses and she looks uber sexy. Oh, really? Right she looks amazing. I was going to say, I didn't know that you usually don't wear glasses. And quite frankly, Kristen, if you usually don't wear glasses, I think you look amazing. You should wear glasses more often. <laughs> Thank you. I think you should too. Really? I mean, you look very... Hurt. Well, I'm not. So I like to mislead people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because I never wear my glasses, but I'm having like an allergy or something where I couldn't put my contacts in. So I had to rest my eyes. And then this so happens in six years doing this podcast, I've never worn glasses. I know. It was like the perfect podcast for you to have your glasses on. I think that's so funny. Well, enough of Kristen. Let's uh-huh. go back to Kevin. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. See, we're friends now because yeah. I know how to say your last name. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to people now about. Alpha and what that means in 2020, especially 2020 right now with everything that's going on. So this is your area of expertise. What does it mean to be an alpha now? Well, it means completely different than anything anybody has ever thought in the past. And and so it's not a remake and it's not a change. It is just something that's totally different. I kind of stole that term from other communities and I've reshaped it to mean to have much more of an abundant and evolutionary, or I should say, a growth mindset to it. Where the old connotation originally came from observing wolves in captivity. That was the original alpha. You know, there's this alpha wolf that kind of leads the pack. But the problem with that observation was that the observation was just watching wolves in captivity. You know, there wasn't wild wolves, it wasn't there in their natural habitat. So that kind of observation would be like watching humans in prison and then determining how humans behave just on that small section of human behavior. And of course, that's not how humans behave. Humans behave very differently. In prison, there is a type of behavior. Well, right now we all behave that way. So maybe we're all huge <laughs> animals again. But I hear what you're saying. I agree. And so what happened was the pickup artist kind of came through and then they took that, they took that alpha connotation and they continued with the scarcity model of it, which is there is an alpha, and then there's these follower betas. And with that old connotation, I would almost say dropping away. There's a lot of contention as to whether this exists at all. And my opinion is that it doesn't because of where it began, You know, the, the idea of watching wolves in captivity. Where I am taking it now is that the alpha is a state of being that is where you become conscious of your cognition and choose the cognition that serves your life. It's an elevated status to where you bring in the data from the circumstance, from the neutral circumstance of the present moment. And then given this neutral circumstance, you decide what you want to make it mean, what you want to think in order to create your emotions, drive your actions, and determine the results that serve you in your life. I guess the alpha is developing the skill sets of cognitive mastery and emotional ownership. Oh gosh, and how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I know, Kristen was going to say something too, but I don't, I don't want to cut her off. What were you going to say? I'm just curious what the difference is between alpha and masculinity. Masculinity is a thought. So masculinity is something that you would think from an alpha state. It's like we say we would define, you, you might opinion, your opine say this is masculine or this is feminine, but the alpha is more like that superposition. If I could use quantum terms, it would be a superposition of thought. So it's an infinite choice that you can have, all encompassing. Yeah. So an alpha guy 
is masculine, but is a masculine guy an alpha automatically? No, right? No, because masculinity is defined, is determined by the observer. It's a thought. It's like a, a trait, an attribute, like a look, right? No, but I think what you're saying is like the alpha is all-encompassing and the alpha is individual, right? It's not like alpha means the same thing for every person because each person decides what alpha means to them and how they want to express themselves both cognitively, physically, and any other way possible. Is that correct? Somewhat, yeah. I would say that to be in your alpha state is to be where you are in control of how you think and feel in every situation, every circumstance, right? So it will manifest differently based on the individual. One individual, given a same situation, two individuals may have different thoughts, each thought creating a different emotion, driving a different action, determining a different result. And as long as each of those individuals is conscious in their cognition, choosing their cognition in order to drive that result, they are both in their alpha state, even though our observation of their behavior would be different. Okay, interesting. I want to like whittle that down a little bit to make it not make sense. I think it does make sense, but to make it specific for our audience. So for example, many of the guys in our audience have trouble with the friend zone, for example, because there are women in their lives that they're attracted to, that they like, that they want to be with, but they themselves keep getting, as they label it, shoved in the friend zone. For somebody who is in that position, how would you speak to them about it and then coach? I mean, this is only a 45 minute show, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how would you help them cognitively adjust the way that they're thinking so that they get into that alpha place so that they don't find themselves in the friend zone with that individual or with any other woman? That's a great question. And really, it's going to be much more specific to the individual in terms of coaching. But to to get an answer to that question, just for your audience so that they know that there is an answer here, is that the alpha state is that superposition of thought. It's choosing the thought that serves you best. And where most people kind of show up in the world, where most people, where their brain is, is in the beta condition which is kind of that childhood brain, that brain that says, I'm not good enough, that brain says, I'm not worthy, that brain that runs to scarcity, that brain that runs to safety, that brain that uh, sort of keeps you in that place of non-growth, that fear-based brain, that amygdala, if you will. And so for those individuals that have, I don't want to say issues with women, but it's because it's never the issue with the woman, right? It's always the issue with the way they think about themselves. So to go in and help those men, those guys, and this is in the relationship coaching that I do in the Alpha Male Coach brand and in the Spartan Academy, it's not about what you think about her or what she thinks about you. It's about what you think about you. And what you think about you is the only thing that needs to change to serve your future, your desires, your results. So what is the friend zone, right? So that's the first question is what has happened? Tell me the circumstance. Tell me the situation as you see it. And then we go into what are your thoughts? What are your emotions? What is the beta condition that's driving the current result so that we can now pass through neutral and determine the subjectivity, determine the thought that's going to serve your desired results, your determined results? Because you believe that your thoughts become results for you. Because I was actually just saying that to my son this morning. He's six years old. And we were talking about... He just got these wheelies. 
You know what those are? Like the shoes that have wheels. And he wanted to quit after like doing two circles around our kitchen. He's like, I know that if you practice, you get better at stuff, but I'm practicing and it's just not working. I'm never going to be good on this. So I sat him down to talk to him about reframing. And we did this whole thing where we pretended to draw pictures. We put them up on the wall. And then we said, oh, it needs a new frame. Took the picture down, put the new frame on with a more positive frame around it and put it back up. I was telling him how everything you think in your brain adjusts everything that you do. Every action, every way that you move, like everything that you do is affected by how you think. And so I wanted to hear how you help people adjust their thoughts so that their results do become different and they can see the world differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I call it the universal truth. That's the name of one of the books I've written, The Universal Truth, How Thoughts Become Results. And so I use a five-component model to kind of demonstrate how the universal truth works. The circumstances, everything outside of us, including our past and other people, because the past used to be the present, but then it became the past. And other people are also part of this. Other people, money, time, everything is a circumstance. It's, it's neutral data that we uptake into our brain through our five senses, you know, uh, sight, taste, smell, sound, and touch. And before it reaches our brain, it's simply organic, like cellular, molecular, or atomic data. That's all it is. Once it hits our brain, we have subjectivity about it. We have judgment. And that judgment is how we create our world. We never really see the world the way it is. We only ever see the world the way we are. And because of that, our cognition, our interpretation, our beta condition is going to run those thoughts that we think the way the world is. Well, when we do that, and we do that so often, we still have the capacity, but we no longer are aware of our ability to separate our cognition, our subjectivity from the objective circumstances that are happening. And that's where we get into the realm of belief. Beliefs are thoughts that we think are facts. And so what I do with my students is I help them recognize that their beliefs are thoughts, that they've chosen to think this, that they're not facts that exist objectively in the world. So once they separate, once they kind of disintegrate the thought from the fact, then we look at the fact as it is in its blanket neutrality and determine or choose a cognition that will serve them moving forward. So the shifting from beliefs is not about taking one belief and and smashing another one on top, which people have tried and really has worked very rarely, if ever. It's like if you have a plate full of garbage and you want to eat it, sprinkling some some spices and salt on is not going to make it taste any better. It's like sprinkling positive thoughts on top of negative thoughts. You want to debunk the belief. Yeah, we have to actually look at the belief for what it is, which is a sentence in your brain. That's all it is. It's a sentence in your brain. And when you see that wrong, (laughs) (laughs) that you chose, and that's the other thing, it's so powerful to know that you determined it. Like it's a very empowering process because all the results you have now come from your thoughts. You decided this, you wanted this at one point. So it's not like the things you have in your life you don't want. You wanted them. Your brain wanted them for some reason, whether to keep you safe or to protect you or in some way, but you chose to have these thoughts usually in childhood, right? Usually from a long time ago where you were a kid. And from that child perspective, life was very different because as a child, we usually are less capable and more dependent. And it's the shift into adulthood that we really don't get the 
cognitive training on how to take back control over our lives through the process of thinking about how we think. One of the most influential things Marnie and this podcast has ever communicated to me was something that at first was so like, no, F you, it's not my fault. And then I grew. But basically what it was, was one day, I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was right when I first met Marnie, but I was talking about this girl and I said, well, she makes me feel this way. Like she makes me feel insecure. She makes me feel blah, blah, blah. And Marnie said to me, she doesn't make you feel insecure. You make you feel insecure or something to that extent. And at first I was like, no, she's an asshole. And this is how she makes me feel. End of story. And then it took some processing to actually realize that you do have control and she doesn't make me feel any way whatsoever. And that's been like six years or something since I heard that. And it's and that was the last interesting thing I said to <laughs> ever. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much for that testimonial, Kristen. It was definitely someone else. But it was empowering once I realized that. And I said that to my mom at some point because it's always been a little bit of like a victim mentality. Yes. And once you realize that you have control, you become empowered and you're no longer the victim in whatever circumstance. Yeah, I want to hear how we actually can get that control, but we're going to take a quick break so that we can hear from some of our sponsors who support this podcast. Like Bet Online is amazing, by the way. If you're bored during isolation, go to betonline.ag. They're doing like tons of fun, like Vegas style betting things. That oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I will that. tell my dad about that. Amazing. All right, we'll be back very shortly. So hold tight. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coaching. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations. But during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. 
Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. All right, we are back. Awesome. <laughs> I know, such a long wait for us, right? So we're going to talk about like how to actually do this. If you're comfortable giving us guidance, Kevin, on how to actually adjust these thoughts. So if we go back to our example of the guy in the friend zone, how would he change these thoughts so that he gets different results? Yeah. So there's kind of two different ways. One way is through the process that takes time to rewire the brain and sort of this place of how you how you build the relationship with yourself. And all relationships are thoughts. So we're never really in a relationship with a person or a thing. We're only in a relationship with our thoughts about a person or a thing. And so to develop and change your relationship with yourself is about changing the way you think about yourself and the way you believe about yourself. So for kind of like the process and the longer methodology, there's lots of different things we go through. But immediately for the guy that's like anxiety, like I'm afraid of rejection or I'm afraid of a friend zone or I'm afraid of how do I approach this woman that I find attractive, it's determining what you want to think and feel in that moment. And if you're not feeling the way you want, how to make that shift immediately. So there's kind of two different answers to that question, if that makes sense. There's the long methodology of how to maintain that, how to create a large change, like this momentous leap in your state of being. And then there's, okay, I'm feeling anxiety now. How do I stop that? How do I change that? Right. So let's talk about that. Okay. The quick version. The quick version. Yeah. Not that I'm not against the longer version, but I want to give people like a little tidbit so that they can use this immediately. And then obviously, if they want more, they can find out how to get more. But yeah, I'd love to know just like a quick tool to help calm or curb anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's pretty much a three-step process. And the first step is to really kind of go into that anxiety, become aware of what you're feeling. So many people are focused externally. They're focused on the outward. I think Kristen just mentioned that because that's how we get into things like blame and fault and accusations, right? It's like, this person hurt my feelings because we're focused on that person. But the truth is, and even if we're talking about anxiety, it's like that woman makes me feel anxious because she's pretty or she's out of my league or whatever the thought is, but it's not the case. The case is, is that your cells are what is creating that anxiety. It's a vibration in your cells. It's actually a chemical reaction that the chemicals released from the brain, those neurotransmitters that enter your cell and then make them vibrate. So the first step is to recognize what emotions are. What anxiety is. Anxiety is just a cellular vibration. And to go into that, rather than resisting it, if you resist the anxiety, it's going to come back and it's going to intensify. If you avoid it, that's where you go to the bar and you order a drink. It's like, oh, I got to get a drink. I got to avoid this emotion. I got to get my dopamine. I got to loosen up, right? So we're avoiding that emotion. The other way is to react to it. And usually in anxiety or fear, the reaction is paralysis, right? It's like, don't act at all. So what we want to do is we want to become aware that it's just anxiety. It's just a vibration ourselves. It's not going to hurt us. It's not going to harm us. There's really nothing to this. And really walk into it so that we can start to own that emotion. We can start to have power over that emotion. So we objectify the emotion rather than subjectify the emotion. Rather than thinking about it in terms of the way it feels, we think about it in terms of what is happening, which again is 
maybe some localized shaking, maybe some increase of body temperature, increase of heart rate, respiratory rate, maybe some increase of sweating or something like this. But it's really just those physiological changes that we subjectify and call uncomfortable or negative or whatever it is that we call these emotions that we typically don't want to feel. So once we have that, once you know what the emotion is, you've kind of owned that emotion. It's like, okay, this is anxiety. I feel it. I've kind of described it to myself. I've I've now owned it and I've named it. Where does it come from? And now we go into the universal truth where we know that all emotions, all feelings come from thoughts. The emotion is not coming from outside of me. It's coming from inside of me. I'm creating it myself. So what I want to do is determine what it is that I am thinking that is creating this emotion. And that may take some time or may not take some time. If it's anxiety around approach, if it's approach anxiety, it's usually something like we've just mentioned, like, you know, this woman's very beautiful. She's going to reject me. She's out of my league. Uh, Something to where there's this fear where the brain, the amygdala screaming, danger, 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 and giving you that low hum of anxiety. So we know that the thought is something around danger, but what is the thought? What is the danger? Is it the rejection? Is it the humiliation? Is it, where's that danger coming from? So once we identify what that thought is, the knowledge, the knowing that all thoughts are just sentences, there is no belief there, or there is no fact there. It's just something that your brain is telling you. It's something that your brain is, has already convinced you of based on other thoughts that you've chosen to believe or other results that you've created for yourself in the past to reaffirm those thoughts. But once you identify that thought, once you have that belief and you know what it is, that would be the second step. Is like, what is my brain telling me that is creating this feeling that is preventing my action, that is not serving me? Because anxiety is not serving me. It's not driving the action that I want. It's not getting me off this chair to walk up to this woman and talk to her. So it's not serving me. There's nothing wrong with anxiety. I can certainly feel it if I want, but if I'm not getting the results I want, maybe I want to feel something different. So if I want to feel something different, I want to think something different. Identifying what that thought is, is the second step. And then the very quick process (laughs) is simply to accept the opposite is true. She's out of my league, right? No. She's, she's, she's well within my league. Like this woman's perfect for me. I'm perfect for her, right? It's just accepting the opposite is true because all thoughts are a choice anyway. There is no thought that is a fact. All thoughts are sentences. All thoughts are equal parts truth and lie. The lie is the thought that doesn't serve you. The truth is the thought that works for you. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. I want to frame that. <laughs> I mean, thoughts are sentences, right? You can, the only thought that, the only, again, it's, that's what makes thoughts true or false is how they serve you. So if the thought she's out of my league is not serving you because it's creating anxiety, fear, and not getting the result you want, then there is nothing you need to do. There's no more information you need than to just say that thought is not working. That sentence is a lie. Let me choose a sentence that works. Let me choose a sentence that I want to believe, that I want to think is true, and practice that. Now, in that moment, I just say accept the opposite because if you're not getting the result you want, then usually the opposite will work in some capacity. So that's the one, two, three step is identify the emotion, go inward into your body. What are you feeling? Not what do you think about what you're feeling, but what are you actually feeling? What's actually happening there? Because of that, is nothing to be afraid of. That will never hurt you. That will never harm you. Then what is the thought causing that feeling? And what is the opposite of that thought or some change of that thought so that you can create a different emotion and drive a different action, get a different result? 
I love that. Same as Kristen. I felt the same way about that sentence that you said. I had like a reaction to it as well. I'd love for you to dive more into, because you said, and then you practice that. Because I know that for some people, they'll be like, I don't believe this new sentence that I'm saying and I'm still having anxiety around it. Why isn't it going away? So I want to dive more into practicing and what that would look like for somebody to practice just calming anxiety around approaching women that they're interested in. Sure. Yeah, 100%. Once you remove yourself from the feeling itself, once you remove your subjectivity from the emotion, you will start to feel better right away. So there will be that separation right away, but the anxiety will come back, right? Unless you go and you practice. And so the practice is, what do you want to feel? The human experience is an emotional experience. When life is good, it's because we feel good. And when life is bad, it's because we feel bad. So our entire human experience is based on our emotion. So usually where I want to begin with my students is, if you can plan for the circumstance ahead of time, if you know what situation you're going into, then you can plan ahead of time how you want to feel in that situation. Maybe you want to feel a certain way in business. Maybe you want to feel a certain way with women. Maybe you want to feel a certain way dating. Maybe you want to feel a certain way in the gym. Maybe you want to feel a certain way with your kids. So based on that, how do you want to feel? And then from that, from that emotion that you're desiring, what is the cognition that will create that emotion? The practice comes into how do we turn that thought, how do we turn that sentence into a belief? Because I can think anything I want. I can think there's a rattlesnake next to me, but I don't, I'm not afraid because it's just a thought in my head. It's just a sentence. If there's an actual rattlesnake there, or if I actually believe it, now all of a sudden my heart starts beating. I'm like, whoa, I need to move, right? I better get out of here. So that's the difference. And the practice is the repetition that creates the neural network, that creates the actual tangible, measurable gray matter, those synapses, that once they reach a certain strength, begin to fire out those chemicals, those neurotransmitters that become emotion. Thoughts, sentences, don't create emotions. Beliefs, thoughts that we believe, those create emotions. So the practice is like the repetition of thinking it, feeling it, acting on it, and observing the results that come from it in order to reinforce that thought. And that's the universal truth, uh, thought, feeling, action, result. And a lot of times, making that opposite, making that big jump, isn't as easy as, as just like, oh, I'm just going to take a new thought. It's, it's hard. No, it's hard. It's hard. That's why you got to like punch it. That's how I picture it. I try to create something physical to look at so that I can just be like, shut up, like, <laughs> and just knock it down because that anxiety is going to keep coming back. But you have to, it's like a Jedi mind trick where you're like, no, now I have to put the power on you even more just to calm it. A lot of people think it's like, I'm going to think this sentence and then I'm suddenly going to believe this whole new story about myself, but it, it's not actually like this. So what you just said about the practice is so important. Kristen had something to say today. I can yes. see her mouth moving to <laughs> chime in. That's my indicator. Hi, I want to talk. She's like, I just purse my lips like we're going to make out. Yeah. So being a realist and someone who is traditionally cynical, but I'm trying to be better. What I'm thinking when I'm hearing this is, yes, all good and great. But what about the guys that trick themselves into being delusional. So yes, they may not be out of this tens league in the positive realm of thinking, but sometimes people are really out of other people's leagues. So where is like the danger? I know you're making a face like, no, they're not. 
so yes, I know what you're going to say you're trying to like disprove I'm going to answer my own question. But basically, is it dangerous occasionally to have high expectations because you have this like thought pattern that you've taught yourself that like you're deserving, you're on the same wavelength, but at the same time, that person could actually be delusional because maybe they haven't done the work in terms of having a good life and having everything going positively for them and they're not healthy, all that kind of stuff. So what do you say to those guys, like to keep them in check somewhat? Well, that I think is the power of the methodology, my specific methodology, because there is no right, wrong. There is no good, bad. Everything is neutral. So there is no delusional either. There is no positive life. There is no negative life. There's just what serves you. There's just what do you want? There's just how do you want to experience? What do you want to create? And being out of leagues, being like tens in this. And to answer, to really kind of maybe circle back, when I work with my students, I don't work with my students, even with the students that want to date women or improve their relationship with their wives or their girlfriends. It's never about the other person. It's always about the relationship they have with themselves. So when you talk about delusional, you can think anything you want about yourself. You can think I'm worthy. You can think I'm capable. You can think I'm strong. And you never, ever, ever have to have. Well, the harm and that there's a little harm in terms of the crash, because if you're working really hard to feel like, for example, I could never, ever work at NASA, even though I did do voiceover for them. But I'm not as where's the harm in that? (laughs) <laughs> I know, disproving myself. But setting myself up to fail, essentially, is what I'm worried about in this situation, oh, right. is the crash. Totally. And I love that you brought that up. It's so important that you brought that up because the crash is also a thought. The crash comes cognitively. And failure is a thought. Failure comes cognitively. That's true. Oh, you're so like elevated. <laughs> you're so philosophical and like above. Imagine if he had two eyes working right now. Oh my God. Oh, no, <laughs> holy shit. No. See well, right through you. Gosh. It just blank. <laughs> it's a beautiful question, Kristen, because I'm sure your audience is going to ask it because my audience asks it. It's, it, it is. It's, it's a wonderful question. Failure is a thought. The only time, the way I teach my students is the only time you fail is when you quit. That's the only time you fail, and that's a choice. You choosing to fail because you're stopping what you're doing. The failure, if you think I have failed, then that is the thought that you're carrying with you, creating the emotion, driving the action. But if you think I'm learning, this is an experience I'm learning from. It's not a failure. It's just something I'm taking. I'm taking these results and I can adapt and learn from them. So to kind of again coming back full circle, if if we have this thought, whether it's friend zone or whether it's approach, what she thinks is 100% about her. If I'm thinking what she thinks is 100% about her, then I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling, okay, so it doesn't matter what she does. It doesn't matter what she demonstrates. It doesn't matter what she says. It doesn't matter what she manifests. It's always going to be about her and I can maintain my frame. I can maintain that mental frame, that groundedness of indomitable self-confidence. So the thought she rejected me or I've been rejected is not a fact. Even if she says no, even if she says, I say, hey, can I get your number? Let's hang out. I want to, let's talk later. If she says no, or I have a boyfriend or whatever, that is not rejection. The thought is I've been rejected because the reason why she's acting that way, what's going in her action line is coming from her cognoemotive state, which we will never know. It has nothing to do with me. Maybe she had a bad day. Maybe her pet just died and she's really not interested in giving her phone number out, really not interested in sharing time. Maybe there's something that is going on with her chemically, like maybe on the inside of her body where she's just not in that mood. But whatever it is, 
It has nothing to do with you because that circumstance. <laughs> what if someone smells? Yeah, I think that's the real question that you're asking. Like, how do you know when to work on something about yourself versus just always go in with a great outlook on life? Because like, I think about these guys that I work with who, yeah, they can have the best attitude ever, but they never get girls or they never get a phone number. And, they, and like, as you were saying, the crash and burn, like how long can they keep going like this? At what point do you have to look at things within yourself versus putting it onto other people and letting them be responsible for their feelings and you were being responsible for your feelings? I know that's a hard question to answer. Like, when do you suddenly say, yeah, I've been doing this for three years and like, I mean, I know I can get all of these 10, but I've never gotten a 10 <laughs> and I'm still a virgin. Like, at what point are you like, eh, maybe it's me? Oh, well, first of all, a 10 is subjective, right? Like your 10 is going to be different than my right. 10. So, uh, and I, I don't But his 10s, but his 10s, he's going for his 10s and never getting them. Exactly. And so what I would say to the answer is we would want to work with the result that you're getting, the action that you're taking, and the state that you're in. Because what is it that you want in your life? Why do you want it? And how do we take the actions about going about getting it? Because certainly there's the cognomotive state. If you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling needy, if you're feeling desperate, you're going to present that way. You're going to show up that way. But for you, Marnie, you say, okay, I know these guys, they got this great attitude. And Kristen's asking the same thing. It's like, they've worked on themselves. They've got this place. So the actions that they're taking, they're not getting the result that they want. So we want to look at the result and the action and say, okay, how can we make these adjustments? And it's the same in business. It's like, you know, I'm motivated with my business. I'm thinking about my business. I'm going with my business. I feel motivated. I feel confident. I want to have $100,000 a year. I want to create that revenue of $100,000 a year. This year I made 80,000. What can I do to get the results I'm looking for? How can I change the action? Because sometimes it's not the cognomotive state. Your cognomotive state is there, but the actions that you're taking are not creating the consequence, not getting the effect. Where I may have some resistance in what is being offered is that when the other person has an opinion about you, that opinion is not about you. That opinion is about them. So if somebody thinks you smell bad, it's not because you smell bad, it's because they think you smell bad. It has to do with them. Like sometimes they just smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like BO, I'm right. sorry, it's like pretty, it's yeah. not like no, subjective. No, we're, we're just poking like, at you. Yeah. yeah. We we're like to give people a hard time sometimes. Oh, this, this is not a hard time at all. I love it. <laughs> no, but I love, I love all the things that you're saying. But as a woman, I will tell you, there are certain guys, and again, this is my perception of them. So you're right when it's how I think and feel. But... There are certain times, like for example, guys who just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and can't really read when a woman's saying like, okay, it's been a half an hour talking about you, but he's having a blast. So he'll go home having a great night for sure. But he'll, he may be in question as to why he's not getting second dates with women or why they don't want to see him anymore. Like, yes, that is... It may be my perception as a woman saying, oh my God, that guy, he just talks about himself. Or I could even have a nice thought in my head that he was so uncomfortable. He was talking about himself all the time. Whatever it is I'm thinking, the outcome was still that he did not get to go home and sleep with me or go on a second date with me because of certain behaviors on his end. Because of your thoughts about him. Yeah, but 
when should there be an intervention to say like, dude, ask a question or like stop talking about yourself? Like when is there that awareness to hear how others perceive you? Even if it's false, you can pick and choose what you want to listen to. But I do know that if you hear things enough times, there is some truth to it. Like if I have a situation where I'm constantly saying, people are trying to scam me, there's something in me that has to adjust in the fact that I'm either feeling scammed or being scammed or putting myself in situations and selecting people who will ultimately scam me. Whatever it is, I'm the common denominator there. So when does that common denominator not just have a positive way to think about things or a new way to think about things, when do you have to take in some of that external feedback? Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. It would be when you want to change. It's when you want to. Again, all of my coaching has to do with empowerment and has to do with want. So it's never, I have to do this, or I should do this, or I I must do it. It's always about, I want to do it. So let's take the body odor. Right, ladies, let's talk about body odor because it's a big deal. Some people don't want to adjust it. I Some somebody who's don't. listening right now who knows who she is, <laughs> not you, Kristen. If she gets to this part of the show, stain. she knows I'm talking about her. M O M. Who I never it stains. Who oh. has this? Like people deny it. They deny they have body odor and don't care. But that's fine. It's true, but even in that body, so for example, I have a house in Portland. I've, I lived in Portland, Oregon for many, many years. How beautiful. I love Portland. It is very beautiful. And it's funny having you tell me like, yeah, because body odor, like women don't like... I have had so many guy friends, Portland's friends that, granola. granola. They're all hippies up there. Yeah, they like BO. Yeah, everybody's got BO. If you don't have BO, they kick there you out. <laughs> yeah, so... I know women that love guys that don't shower. Like I love, I know guys that love women that don't shower. And it's the thing about it is like, it's just a personal preference. So it's not about the person who has the body odor. It's about the person who is thinking about this person smells bad. I'm not interested. So if you want to take a shower, if you desire that, then by all means start showering. But if you don't, then there is a woman out there for you who doesn't care if you smell the way you do. And it's about you having that relationship with yourself where you're not getting down on yourself. You're not thinking you're a bad person or you're not thinking you have to change because I have to, like, this is the one, like, this is the woman. This is like that scarcity mindset. This woman rejected me because I didn't shower. So now I have to go shower. Well, that's not the case. The case is, is this person has their opinion and you still get to live your life the way you choose to. If you choose to not shower, hey, brother, you do you, right? You know, that's your thing. If you want to start showering because of the relationship with you, (laughs) because you want to get in the water and wash, then do that. But the moment your brain starts to say, I have to do this in order to, now you are a victim, right? Now you're a victim of that brain. You're a victim of that thought where I'm not good enough unless I shower. And that's not going to fly. That's not going to work. Yeah. I can tell that you actually practice what you preach because of the way that we started this call because you have that eye patch on you didn't even flinch for two seconds and i and i was watching and waiting for that to be honest because i didn't know the story behind your eye patch and you literally just talked to me as if you weren't wearing an eye patch you didn't call attention to it you didn't say anything until kristen was an asshole and came on and made a comment <laughs> about it but like i can't not but i knew you were going patch. to as soon as you got on so i'm like come on hurry up yeah. find out where the eye patch is because i don't <laughs> say anything i just focus on it but i just thought it was just like you like really practice what you preach because i can tell that you're speaking to me from the point of view of like 
I'm fine. I'm wearing an eye patch because I need to wear an eye patch right now and it doesn't affect who I am. And I know that so many guys question so many things about them and have this victim mentality. I'm short, I'm fat, I have a twitch, I have this, I have this, I have this. But like, honestly, even the way that you started the phone call and have continued this call the entire time where you've just owned who you are and everything about you, it just is so telling of what it is you're teaching to other people and how it can work. And additionally, not only did you have this confident state when I did ask about the eye patch. You reacted in the best way. You didn't get offended. You accurately explained what happened. You were good humored about it. And you didn't get your panties in a bulge or whatever. And so that is so attractive because if a guy has something like that on and someone like me jokingly is kind of like, what's the deal? What's going on with the eye patch? And they're like, you know, mind your own business. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, an awkward Or if their body language shifts and, and they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Your body language didn't change at all. And it was awesome. And it made me comfortable with it. It made Marnie comfortable with it. I mean, I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with it. But... Really commendable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing is like... And again, this is the methodology for the students that I work with. It's never about what's happening. Like, Bell's palsy is a circumstance. The eye patch is a circumstance. Other people, other women, their circumstance. It's all about how you want to think about those circumstances. And the real truth is that all circumstances are only going to mirror the thoughts you have about yourself. So if I think, if my brain is telling me, oh, and this patch or this mustache or whatever, this Bell's palsy, whatever it is, if I'm thinking this stuff, then my brain, and this is where the anxiety comes from, my brain is going to jump to, oh, well, if I'm thinking about it and I have insecurity, then they're going to think about it and they're going to judge me for it. And the truth is, one, it doesn't matter because anything other people think is 100% about them. But the other truth is, for me, how I think about me is the most important relationship I will ever have because it's going to transmute into every part of my life, whether that's dating, whether that's business, whether that's my health. I mean, it doesn't matter. The thoughts we have about ourselves, especially those core thoughts of I'm worthy, I'm capable, I'm good, right? I'm strong. These kinds of thoughts is where we want to begin to start to develop so that it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's really cool because while you were talking this entire time, I genuinely forgot you were wearing an eye patch. So it bled through from you to me. It meant nothing. It meant nothing to you. So then it meant nothing to me. And so it's pretty interesting how that works psychologically. And now I'm turned on by eye patches. That's weird, right? <laughs> no? But I completely agree with Kristen. I loved having you on as a guest and I would love to have you back if you're open to it. This is like a side question for myself or a side statement. If you are ever doing boot camps or young guys, like young men, eight to 12, whatever it is, I would send my son to you in two seconds, 100%. Because I, I think that it's so essential. Because even you talked about it at the beginning where we learn about all these things in childhood. And I would love to have something like what you're doing for older men 
for my little guys to attend because I think these are the. But well, you might have to shave the mustache first because then it might might look a little creepy. <laughs> so you listen to this guy a molester. You know what? Or... My son's very into Harry Potter right now, so maybe he'll be like, "Oh, this is great! Like he's got a patch, he's got a mustache. He might be very into right, no, it." But I'm saying he could get into. <laughs> All right, that's true. Like this guy with a mustache hanging around with eight year olds. <laughs> that's true. Bringing them to Grand Canyon <laughs> to live in a, yeah. <laughs> with him for a bit. I know. Yeah, well, this, it may this, not work, but this particular yeah. mustache. This is, this is more like a. This isn't the Creeper stash. This is the Burt Reynolds, right? It's a this great is a, Sam Elliott, isn't it? Oh, who's Sam Elliott? Okay, is it Sam Elliott? That? Maybe it's not. He was, if you've seen Roadhouse, it's not Patrick Swayze. He was the other bouncer. Oh, maybe it is Sam Elliott. You know what? I've actually never seen Roadhouse, so I don't know. But I know what that movie yeah. is. But I don't know. I think it looks good. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. But why don't you tell people how they can come to your commune and <laughs> and work with you. But yeah, tell people who you are and how to get in touch with you. Because I have a feeling a lot of people want to find out more. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I've loved being here. I'd love to come back on. It's been great, great questions. And thealphamalecoach.com. The Alpha Male Coach is my brand. So if you go to thealphamalecoach.com, everything is there on the website for you to find. The Alpha Male Coach podcast is what you can look up if you're looking for a weekly podcast. And on the website, there's lots of ways to work with me. I've got books, I've got courses, but really what I advise is the academy. And that's the Spartan Academy that Marty was talking about just a moment ago, where I'm building the school up here in Northern Arizona. But right now the academy is online. And it's an institution of higher learning. Every month we go through a different topic. I send you a textbook. I send you daily self-study. You can sign up for office hours with me, one-on-one coaching. There is weekly classes that I hold. So I hold webinars weekly, Slack group, kind of like the fraternity where all the guys show up and hang out and you can get a hold of me there. So it's really this full-on school and uh, success stories are amazing. I love hearing and seeing my students just... uh, really become more of who they are. Yeah, it's well, it's becoming more of who they are. It's, it's getting out of the that beta condition cognition of that was driven during childhood of, you know, I can't survive on my own. You get out of that and all of a sudden the world opens up and you're just this empowered, full-on adult that can tackle any problem, any circumstance that the world comes on, including how to make more money, how to thrive in the relationships you have, how to create amazing relationships, you know, approaching strangers, approaching women, going into social environments, you know, like the social anxiety. So it's really health even, you know, I was a fitness coach for a long time, as I mentioned. So ending buffering, you know, how to stop watching pornography, how to stop over drinking, how to stop overeating, how to stop watching too much TV or playing too much video games. It's all behavior control that comes from cognitive mastery. I need help with that. I watch too much TV. <laughs> well, too much TV, you know, only if you want to. I mean, right? I too enjoy it every second talk. of it. I'm watching Cougar Town right now. Great show. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you again so much for being on this podcast. And thank you, Kristen, for wearing your glasses. I think you should do it more often. Of course. You look beautiful. Well, you know what? I do too. This is my first introduction to Kristen, and I, you, know, you are. You're absolutely. You're very stunning. Oh God! Stunning you should see her without the glasses. Oh, <laughs> if I took off my glasses right now, my eye would actually cross. And he's, and he's love it. That would be the real test of your coaching: is can I get comfortable with my eye being do crossed? It. Do it. Do your it. Biggest project. Do. Take it off. That's what Take them off. That's what we do. Take them off. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh my God! Look how uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll make her more comfortable. Anyway, new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Please don't go and download each individual episode. Please go and subscribe to our show because. 
then you don't have to take that extra step and you can spend that time that you've saved on downloading individual episodes and put it towards becoming the best version of yourself. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. 